Hey, thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. Hey, throughout church history, Christians have looked up to and admired the way God calls particular people to follow Jesus. And one of these people is the Apostle Paul. And while his conversion to Christianity may have been really dramatic, the truth is that God uses the same strategies to save people today. And if you're a Christian today, he saved you in the same kind of way as he saved Paul. Pastor Nate will walk us through Paul's conversion so that we can see the wonderful way in which God saves people today. The things that we should really want to emulate in Paul, because you can't emulate all those talents and backgrounds that he had, but his faithfulness, his diligence, his sacrifice, those are admirable and worthy of imitation. So Nate, you mentioned in the article that every conversion involves a collision. So what was your collision moment during your co- conversion? Let's try and get that all right in one take. <laughs> collision during your conversion. What was yours? Mine was a, uh, you ever, have you ever been in a big car accident? Yes, one, but I was too young to remember it. But yes, that's, a very big one. That's but right. I haven't yeah. been one. Forgive I, me for, for no, no. forgetting that one. But I've been like fender benders. Yeah. <laughs> when you're in a major car accident, it, it really is like it's in slow motion. Yeah, yeah. You know, just slowly unfolds, the metal twisting, you see it coming, you know what's going to happen. And mine was like that for about a four-month period of time. I fell under the conviction of the Spirit uh, through comparison and contrast, actually, with hmm. my little sister who was going through a big trial in her own life, some of which had been brought on by her own sin, but she Mm. had confessed it. She was starting to walk with the Lord and she was doing so well. And it just was really Mm. uh, problematic for me, I guess. (laughs) It it just bothered me how well she was doing and how well she had turned to the Lord. And, And I could just see God's grace in it and that, I had the very same opportunity that she had Mm. and that I could turn from my sin and I could know the Lord and I could walk with him, but I liked my sin, you know, and I didn't want to turn from it. And so uh, eventually I just had to come to, uh, in, in that four or five month window of time, I just had to come to this like grinding halt of like, this is not fun anymore. Hmm. This is not enjoyable. I'm miserable. And this very, all these things that I thought were going to make me so happy, I'm not happy. And to, to come to that place of emptiness was yeah. for me the, the collision wow. moment. Yeah. Man, that's fascinating. I've heard you share your testimony before, but haven't heard it like that. That's really cool. I wanted to ask that because, you know, right now we're talking about the Apostle Paul and talk about a collision f- during a conversion. His is just so um, wild and kind of like iconic in our Christian faith. And I thought this would be a fun article to talk about because, you know, we talk about the writings of Paul a lot. Um, but it's not as often when we get to just look at his life and particularly look at this moment um, during his life when Jesus visited him and Paul really did have this conversion. 
um, where he changed his lifestyle to follow the Lord. Um, so I thought we could talk about that for a little bit. In the article, you talk about seven different things that we can actually learn from Paul's conversion. And I remember you talking about this during one of our staff chapels, which is it's really fun to talk about this too, just kind of in light of that. Um, but I thought we could just go through a few of these points. There's seven, so we could have a really long episode about this, but I thought we could just hit four if you're down. And Sounds I thought good. maybe we could start with the first one, which is that um, point number one is that people go through a process when when they come to Christ. So maybe you can kind of let us into the story of Paul. Uh, what was the process that Paul needed to go through in order to come to Christ? What did we learn from his life in that? Yeah, well, there seems to have been, if you patch it all together, a few different things. Mm-hmm. In the book of Acts, Paul, Luke tells Paul's conversion story three right. times. The first time is the actual account itself. Here's what happened. And then time number two and three are moments where Paul is telling his testimony okay. to a group. But three times, Luke uses precious scroll space hmm. to tell Paul's story in the yeah, book of yeah. Acts. So we know it's it's important. Yeah. You know, it's important because of who he ended up becoming, you know, and the plan that God had for his life to become, in a lot of ways, the apostle to the Gentiles and a right. prolific New Testament author and the one who laid down or clarified for us so many incredible doctrines and really probably more than anybody else explained for us what the events of the cross actually did. Yeah. You know, you you read the crucifixion accounts in the gospels and you see what happened on the cross. But when you read Paul's letters, you discover mm-hmm. what really happened yeah. on the cross. Uh, so he, he is just a really important figure. And But when you patch it all together, it seems that there were probably a few things going on. First of all, he was there, it tells us, when Stephen was killed. The first, right, right. first Christian martyred for their faith. So he preached to the religious leaders. They didn't like what he was saying to them. And so they stoned him to death and... Saul was there consenting to his death mm-hmm. and he was holding the garments of people that went, went out to, to kill him. So he was there for that whole thing. He heard Stephen's message, hmm. uh, saw it all happen, That's crazy. saw the rocks falling and all of that. And there must have been something. I mean, you don't forget something like that. No. You know, yeah. you don't forget an event like that. So it, it probably stirred within him. Um, so Stephen's death probably impacted him, but then also there was probably just Stephen's message itself, yeah. the things that the guy said hmm. to Paul, who, you know, in his by his Jewish name was Saul, said that Saul would have heard and had a hard time getting away from. I mean, one of them would have just been, as a Pharisee, Saul would have felt very adept hmm and fluent in the Old Testament scriptures. Right. And then Stephen gets up there <laughs> and he's just owning going for it. The Old Testament and giving real clarity mm-hmm. as to what was actually happening in that bygone era. But then there's the content of the message itself. You know, Stephen just pointed out, hey, over and over again, God would send a messenger and we would reject 
the messenger or God would send a clear uh, command or invitation f- f- to do such and such and we would rebel against it. Starting with Abraham who didn't go all the way in obedience to the Lord but went part way with his family and waited for his father's death and all that. Mm-hmm. And then with Moses and how he was rejected and Joseph and how he was rejected. He just pointed out that from the beginning to the end of the Old Testament, these prophets and deliverers came to Israel from God and they mm-hmm. rejected him. And so that probably resonated with wow. Paul. Like, okay, well, you know, that's true. You know, we historically we have rejected the heaven sent messengers uh, from God. So have we done that again? Yeah. You maybe have one may may have wondered. But when Paul wrote the book of Romans, he described another thing that was happening. And it seems that he had begun to have a little bit of a debate in his mind or his conscience about the Ten Commandments. Uh, Particularly, he wrestled, it says in Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 7, with the command, thou shall not covet. Mm -hmm. And what he said in Romans 7 was, and when, when I heard that, the, my paraphrase of it is he. I recognized that I couldn't keep myself from coveting. So the law is internal. There, there's this thing that I'm doing internally. I'm breaking the law internally, and I can't stop myself from doing it. Yeah. So that was when he. This is what he said. He said, "The law is spiritual, but I am carnal." Wow. You know, so he just recognized. So there was some kind of wrestling match going on where he realized, man, all my like fake righteousness that I'm doing, yeah. all the external stuff, it's not really real. It's not really changing my heart. And now these Christians are coming along and they're talking about how we're dead in our sin and how Jesus can come into my life, forgive me of my sin, that he's the Messiah we've been waiting for mm-hmm. who could deliver us. Right. And all of that just was going on in his mind and in his heart and then he you know was on the road to damascus he set his heart against the lord he's gonna uh, persecute the church went was on his way to damascus in syria with letters in his hand to arrest Mm. christians and a bright light shone and the moment came where he would fall to the ground and he would submit surrender his life to christ yeah. But I, I say all those things just because we shouldn't have an idea that he just, you know, was just kind of cruising along in life. And then a moment came where he gave his life to Christ, got saved. Right. No, there was a process that he went through. And sometimes we're just not very patient with people and the process that they have to go through. Yeah. You know, I, one error that Christians will make a lot of times is to try to get people to act a certain way yeah. before they accept Christ. And especially, of course, in our modern era with all these hot topic, you know, hot button sins and mm-hmm. social issues that are out there where we think, well, you need to clean up X in your life before you could become a Christian mm-hmm. before you can hear the gospel. And, and we'll like touch on that and talk about that. And you need to deal with that, you know, or whatever. Not realizing that, you know, these are human beings yeah. that have to mm-hmm. wrestle a little bit. You know, Paul had to rebel for a little while. Yeah. And then there was this moment where God, who had faithfully been working on his heart, God 
saved him. You know, God mm. reached into his life and made a way for him to be made right in Christ. Man, just wild stuff. Just wild. Point number three in, in your article, Nate, was uh, what I alluded to earlier. There's a collision in every conversion. And um, I just think that's so great. You know, this is the kind of moment that we all kind of like hope for in life, that if Jesus would just come and speak to me, you know, then then I'll believe, you know. And it really happened to, to Saul. <laughs> it's just so wild. And you already spoke about it for a moment, but can you talk about that? Like, so what, what happened with Paul? And then uh, what is just like this idea that there is a collision in every conversion? Yeah, I got this one from, I was listening to Brian Broderson teach through the book of Acts, and he said this one, there's a collision in every conversion, which didn't really sound like him, the you know <laughs> double use of the word C, the letter C, yeah, collision, yeah. conversion. So he may have gotten Cashy. it from someone else, but all, all yeah. I know is I got it from him. But it makes sense, right? I mean, yeah, there's just this moment where... Uh, some kind of breaking has to hmm. occur in a person's life because really what the gospel is, it's a message that says that we are in need. Yeah. You know, we're broken. Mm-hmm. We've fallen short of the glory of God. There's a need. There's a gap. There's something missing in our lives. There's a lack of righteousness. There's a it, part of the gospel message is that we are a people in need. So mm-hmm. if you never have that realization you will never come to Christ. You will never submit to him. You'll never invite him into your life. So there has to come a moment in a person's life where they come face to face with the fact that they have that need in their lives. The example I used in the article was of Pastor Mike Casey and Mm -hmm. his grandchildren. You know, Pastor Mike here in our church, Calvary Monterey, you know, he's probably the guy with the most radical testimony yeah. of, of anybody, maybe in the church, but <laughs> definitely on the pastoral staff in that, you know, strung out on heroin, uh, homeless, sleeping in the church parking lot for a while, stroked out, you know, in the hospital for 30 days, told he was not going to ever walk again. His daughter's writing Bible verses on the whiteboard in his hospital room and he watches the Jesus movie and eventually he (laughs) surrenders, submits, gives his life to Christ and now he's walking and has a powerful ministry, you know, and all of that. But that was a pretty strong collision, you know, that he had to come to. And I had a moment recently where uh, I was hanging out with his girlfriend with a couple of his granddaughters, his, uh, his daughter, Mike's daughter lives in my neighborhood. So we were, my family passing by because they had gotten some ducks. <laughs> and so we were in <laughs> their house right. and yeah. we were checking out their ducks and just hanging out. And you know, the, their two little girls are just so fun and mm-hmm. funny. And, you know, we were just getting a kick out of watching them do their thing. And I was just thinking that, you know, like, yeah. oh yeah, you know, they're going to have to also have a moment of yeah. collision. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a chance that it won't be a good chance. I think that it won't be as pronounced as it was with pastor Please Mike, Lord, Yeah, but they'll have to have some kind of collision. There's going to have to come a moment where they, they feel that sense. Like, man, I, I can't, I can't do this. I, I, I need the Lord. You know, I need to have him in my life. So I think that's a good one to, to think about because, yeah. um, you know, especially with Paul, he's a good example of someone who was obviously running in the 
complete opposite direction from yeah. the Lord. But but that running was actually a manifestation of what was going on in his heart, that God was working, God wow. was doing something there, you know. And his life has been an encouragement and source of hope for so many of us over the years who, you know, have had people in our lives that we love yeah. for and care about. And we want to see them come to Christ and... It just might be that they're closer than we think. Right. You know, nobody would have suspected like, you know, Paul's like almost there. <laughs> I know. Like, nobody knew that. Yeah. There was just this moment of collision, but that God had built him up for. Man. Uh, point number five, we're just kind of skipping around here a little bit, but you said in the article, we are one in Christ, but God has a different plan for each one of us. I think this is like a really just a beautiful testament to the diversity in the church and just God's plans for all of his children. But yeah. what did God purpose to do through Paul's life and why was that unique to him? Yeah, so I mean, almost immediately after Paul got saved, you know, he continued his journey to Damascus right. and a Christian by the name of Ananias, not that Ananias, but a, another one, he uh, came to Paul and announced to him uh, that he that Paul was going to be a chosen instrument was mm -hmm. a chosen chosen instrument by the Lord excuse me to bring the gospel to Gentiles kings and the children of Israel and that God would show Paul how much he would suffer for the sake of his name so God gave mm -hmm. him like insight special insight yeah. into hey this is what your journey is going to look like and I'm sure some of that was like an immediate revelation, but then he had some years of preparation yeah. as well. So it was probably during those years of preparation, he came to terms with what that was going to look like in his life and also mm -hmm. uh, prepared himself for that, you know, studied, spent time in the word. And, you know, when you look at Paul, <clears throat> it's clear he was really custom made for the job that mm. God had him for, yes, you know, he was very comfortable in Jewish culture because he was, you know, Hebrew through and through of yeah. the tribe of Benjamin, the Pharisee, you know, established on all the Jewish ceremonies and religion, but grew up in a predominantly Gentile city in, of, in Tarsus. And so he, mm. he was just comfortable in yeah. every culture. That's cool. Uh, he was Jewish, but, uh, also was fine, you know, being in the Greek culture and Greek thought. Mm -hmm. He was a dual citizen, you know, uh, an Israelite, but also a full by blood, by birth Roman citizen. So he could travel anywhere. He had the passport. Mm -hmm. uh, he knew the Old Testament scripture really well. I mean, he had excelled at it before his conversion. So that all that background, that catalog of knowledge that he had, uh, helped him hmm. once he entered into Christ to teach the Bible accurately. That's what made his partly what made his doctrines so powerful when he finally yeah. you know began writing scripture hmm. for us. Uh, he learned to trade so as a tent maker, so he was able to provide for himself when he that, went yeah. out and did his stuff. Um, and he was single. And God used that for his glory, you know, uh, because he was unencumbered by the responsibilities right. that a family man has. Mm -hmm. And so he was able to just go and allow himself to be put in a danger willingly. I mean, he just was very flexible. He had low overhead. Uh, 
And then he just went out and he crushed it. <laughs> you know, God prepared him. God yeah. raised him up. God planned all this. And, and then he just went out and crushed it. And there was only one of them. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. There was just one Paul. Yeah. None of the other apostles were exactly like him. And none of the other apostles were exactly like each other. But here, here's my thing with, with just all this. It's just so clear that God was the one who was crafting and shaping this oh, guy. Yeah. But we just usually have such a problem. I, I don't want to say we usually. Maybe it's just a me thing. But I think a lot of us human beings have a problem embracing God's plan for our lives. Yeah, you totally. know, And we look around and, you know, see someone else and their effectiveness and fruitfulness, but we don't stop to consider, well, what are all the things God did to prepare their background, bring them to the place that they're at? And what are the things that God has done for me and my Mm -hmm. background to bring me to the place where I am to do what I'm supposed to do? So the things that we should really want to emulate in Paul, because you can't emulate all those talents and backgrounds that he had. But his faithfulness, yep. his diligence, mm-hmm. his sacrifice, those are admirable and worthy of imitation for us. So my, kind of my thing there was just like thinking about not just his conversion, but like the plan that God had yeah. for his conversion and what, what God did with him like right after his conversion. Mm. It's just different. And to be okay with that, you know, yeah. like the, there's a reason why Luke recorded his, uh, Paul's conversion so many times. Mm-hmm. It's just... This is a real standout conversion and a real standout person and was kind of more fruitful than all the rest of us. And so there's that, you know, like uh, Luke didn't seem to be bothered by that and others weren't bothered by that. It was just a rejoicing at what God was doing in Paul and being okay with what God was doing in them. That's right. That's right. Hey, let's close this out by going to uh, the last point that you had here. Point number seven, times of preparation are essential for God's messengers. I just love this. I I heard somebody say recently that a plane doesn't take off on three feet of runway. It needs a whole runway to really fulfill the purpose that the plane has, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought for a moment, maybe we could just kind of turn this just straight towards the listener, Nate. Um, What is Paul's conversion account teach us about preparation for God's work? Do you have a word maybe just for the person who's just like thinking about Paul, thinking about their life, and they're just thinking, man, I just don't, <laughs> I don't know like what I'm supposed to do yet. I feel like I'm still on the runway. I haven't really met, um, you know, kind of this purpose that God really has yeah. for my life. Yeah. The, the, where we got this from in the, in Paul's life is that though it is, sometimes hard to follow and somewhat murky what the exact timeline was for Paul's life after his conversion until he launched into full-time missionary work. What is clear is that he went to Damascus, Arabia, Damascus, again, Jerusalem, Tarsus, Antioch, and back to Jerusalem. It seems like those are the places that he went to. And that some of those places were very brief stops, but some of them lasted years. Hmm. And it was a long season before Barnabas, who was in Antioch, went and got Paul and brought him to Antioch to teach the scripture to the new 
Antiochian believers. <laughs> um, so what that helps us understand is that God had a school for Paul to go through. That's good. He had yeah. a period of preparation in Paul's life. I mean, I was just looking at the line that I wrote in the article. It was real simple. Paul needed time to grow. It's yeah, just funny to up. think about. Yeah, like, I know. You know, like, wow, Paul, like Paul, the Apollo. Okay, Paul needed time to grow. I'm like, yeah, I, I agree with that statement. Yeah, he did yeah. need time to grow, you know. It's kind of not... not at all in the same kind of way, but that verse in the Gospel of Luke that talks about Jesus growing in wisdom mm. and stature in this childhood, you know, it's yeah. Like, okay, yeah, okay, he did. He had there was there was in his humanity yes. there was growing in wisdom right. that he was attaining. So, but back to Paul, you know, there was a time of preparation before God really used his life. The preparation was active. Mm. It was not inactive. It was not passive. It was active, engaged right. preparation. There was studying. There was thought. There was prayer. He had a mission. He Come knew on. what what God wanted mm-hmm. him to do with his life. He didn't know when the door was going to open, but it was active. And then the preparation must have been patient. I mean, can you imagine hearing so clearly and concisely hmm. from God what his destiny for your life is. I've called you to be the messenger to the Gentiles, to kings, and to Jews. To hear that and then Man. not be able to do it. To have to wait. I mean, that speaks of patience. So right. he was active. He was patient. And I don't know how it felt to Paul, whether it felt long or short. But... It was just, it took time. It took, took time. time. You just yeah. can't get away from that. And, you know, I have my encouragement to anybody who is wanting to be used by God to, whether it's handling scripture or just, you know, serve the Lord or, you know, be a better father, to mm. be a good leader, you know, whatever it is. To, sit, to, to be willing to embrace the fact that it isn't like a matrix plug-in where you're just going to download into your brain all the ability, all the knowledge, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's a slow and steady opening yourself up to the Lord, a process that you're going right. to have to go through over long periods of time. And will you be the kind of person who's willing to read or think or uh, learn, ask questions, so that you can do that slow growth that will lead to this measure of effectiveness. So, you know, you don't want to be the, uh, you know, shooting star that has like a little brilliance for a moment, but then fades away. You want to have a long, strong and growing uh, brightness coming from your life. I love all those scriptures that talk about the the coming of the righteous ones and how Mm -hmm. they're their brightness is like the shining of the dawn, you know, ever brighter to the perfect day, you know, and, and I've always seen passages like that as emblematic of my own personal mm. walk with the Lord, that as I walk with the Lord, it's just a brighter and brighter and brighter experience. Yeah. And that's just so joyful, partly because there's nothing like that in the world. I mean, it's one thing to become more and more intelligent, right. but, but but a, a brightness like all together, you know, it's, we're always trying to like capture youth and you know, all of that, but to really feel like, no, 
there's actually the hope, the possibility that I'm going to become a better and better, wow. stronger and stronger, you know, person over time. But, but you have to be willing to embrace that. Thanks for tuning in today. If you'd like to hear some more content from Pastor Nate, please subscribe to the Jesus Famous Podcast. Each week, we'll be posting conversations just like the one you just heard, as well as some live readings that Pastor Nate is posting a couple times a week. For any more articles, books, or resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com. Catch you next week.